1: Welcome back to the boiling point, everybody. Thank you so much for following uh, Dave and I in our adventures for I don't even know how many years. You and I thought seven years last time we chatted, uh, Dave, six years, eight years, ten, four. I don't know. I don't know how long we've been doing this, but it's been awesome.
2: But we, long enough, we have recurring guests. We have
1: recurring guests. De- and there's only, actually, there is no guest in history that has been on the boiling point three times, the Holy Trinity, except for today. Before today, Christy O'Leary longtime friend, supporter, the uh, incredible uh, hero that helped Hemings House become a B Corp way back in the day. Uh, Christy O'Leary, also the same uh, Christy that brought a ton of great guests to our podcast over the years. That's right. And the same Christy who is helping many other businesses uh, get to 80 points or above so they can become uh, B Corps as well. So Christy O'Leary is um, Welcome back to the podcast, to The Boiling Point. Um, Most people listening to this have listened to every single episode in the past that we've done, including your previous two. But for the few people who haven't, um, let's get an an, an introduction from you, Christy. And this is a chance as well. I've been following you very closely, but Dave, um, it'll be new for him to hear what your new business is, what you've been up to, where you're living. Um, So welcome to The Boiling Point. Again, for the third time, Christy O'Leary.
3: Wow I'm so pleased to be back uh, thank you so much for for um, bringing me on for the third time um, but you know uh things are evolving so uh you know it makes sense to have a have a check in yes um, even if we just get to get to to um chat with each other about our lives and impact and all of those things um so introduction. I am in the a little bit rainy today, uh, Vancouver. Uh, loving uh, loving my west coast life, um, although it did take a little getting used to um, after the, the the warm hugging of the Maritimes. Um, uh, so kind, everyone's so kind in the Maritimes. Um, yeah. So living and working in Vancouver, um, enjoying working from home now uh, in the, in the pandemic. Um, and, and uh, we, I do have a new business uh, that, uh, well, it's, it's still a baby. It's a toddler and uh, it's uh, I guess it's 14 months old now. So um, things are going really well. And uh, our business, I founded it, uh, co-founded with uh, Brianna Brown Um, and, uh, we worked together previously at a company previously and actually bought our practice, our impact, uh, uh, consulting and design practice from that previous company. And, uh, decade is a going concern, um, decade impact, uh, aptly named, we officially, uh, opened uh, January 1st, 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really excited to kind of usher in this, the most important decade in human history, Um, For us to 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 really avert the climate crisis and create a more just and equitable world uh, through business. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's pretty epic, and it's not like you're uh, unfamiliar of this process. Uh, Like I said earlier, you helped our company become a B Corp a a long time ago, and uh, you have a uh, really unique. Uh, offering a uh, so like a, a sub offering, which um, you've partnered with the BDC, I believe, to to help uh, customers and clients and friends become B Corps. So why don't you tell us about getting to eighty? Uh, because that's really exciting. And I'm I'm either sorry or very happy that I'm sending you a whole bunch of leads. But like, I every time I meet somebody, I'm like, you need to talk to Christy and get into this program. I don't know if if you're. If you like getting all these leads from Greg Hemings, but I'll keep, I'll keep selling them if you want.
3: Oh, I, you know, it's a real headache. Uh, <laughs> sending all of these amazing opportunities our way, uh, but w- we can handle it. Um,
1: okay. I'll, I'll keep it
3: up then. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, we do have uh, the getting to 80 program. And um, this is something that I kind of started dreaming about in around 2014, 2015, um, and was actually trying to offer to companies on the, on the East coast, but it was just too early. It was just too early in the B Corp movement. We didn't have enough momentum, I think for it to, to really um, catch hold. And so we did partner with the BDC in 2018, offered our first cohort. We just started our 10th cohort yesterday of companies, wow. um, uh, eight companies from across Canada and the getting to 80 program is a uh, It's a six day, um, fast paced, high energy online program, no canned content, it's all live. And uh, we help companies move through the B Corp assessment, um, which, you know, companies can do that on their own. But with guidance, it just changes the experience. And with that peer group, um, so the BDC uh, generously sponsors the program. So it's available for $2,000 for a company. Um, and we at Decade, Brianna and I kind of refer to it as our democratizing our service uh, because we feel, you know, big companies are sort of getting into the habit of creating budgets for impact and sustainability in their businesses, whereas smaller companies don't have that yet. Um, and so that was the the, that's the kind of, the the nuts and bolts of the program, Um, it's based on the B Impact Assessment. And so uh, there are six days, uh, first day is mission and governance, uh, workers, um, community, environment, supply chain, like value chain, and then communication. So kind of a crash course. And uh, we have now, I think we're up to over 50 companies that have done, that are in progress or have done the program with us. Wow. Um, and our, our year, uh, uh, one year after companies complete the program, we have a 50% conversion rate into becoming certified B Corps. Fantastic. Which is amazing because without guidance, the conversion rate's about
1: 3%. Wow. I didn't realize those stats. Wow. So, no. for example, if somebody's interested in becoming a B Corp, they go to bcorporation.net or bimpact uh, and um, they yep. go through it the conversion rate there is 3%. Like they look at the information, they might do the quick the quick assessment and they're like, oh, that's cool. But then yeah. 3%, okay, that's interesting. One of the things that I find um, that I, I encourage a lot of people, including all three of the people that I, I sent your way in the last few weeks mm-hmm. is go through the assessment anyway. If you want to make a good business, it's all there. It's like a playbook to making a business plan and it's free. And uh, if... And if after you go through that and realize how you how to structure a good company, if you want to become certified, um, it's just gonna force you to make to make your business better and tighter. And that's what I think is great about it.
2: Do you know what you guys? I think we should back up a little bit for the listener that might not even know what B Corp is. Um, mm-hmm. because we're kind of we have gone like really deep. I'm, I'm you guys are way deeper than I am. Um, I have some knowledge and awareness. Um, but what you know, for, for a listener who's kind of going, what is this all about? You know, what's this? Um, you know, the idea of getting to 80 program and, you know, how, why would I want to do that? And, you know, could you, let's start there and then we can maybe dive in a little deeper to help pe- to Thanks, put people. Thanks Dave. On.
1: Christy and I get a little excited sometimes and we go right <laughs> to the point. So Christy, let's hear what, 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 what the B Corp community and movement and assessment is.
3: Ooh. Okay. Um, so the B Corp movement started in 2000, uh, 2006 with the first class of companies, 15 companies in the U S certified in 20, in 20, 2007. And really it's the the kind of brainchild of, um, uh, the founders of B Corp, uh, Andrew Bart and, um, Jay, and they, uh, they had sold a company, um, or two of them had sold a company called and one sports and and one. Was a, a social enterprise before we were using that term. They had an incredible supplier code of conduct. They had five uh, percent of of profit went to went to educating urban youth um, and providing uh, programs for them because it was a basketball shoe company. Um, and they they really were in touch with their users. They had a daycare. They had a basketball court. They had all of those things that make. I, I remember seeing an interview with Jay where he said, you know, nobody left at five. They left when they were tired. Like hmm. it, people stayed and had dinner together. It was that kind of company. They sold the company and upon exit, um, all the good stuff was ripped out of the company. All that stuff disappeared and it became, a um, you know, bottom line company. And so, uh, that was their kind of spear in the chest moment of really wanting to create, um, a system so that entrepreneurs not only could have a good business but that if they sold their business that all of that goodness all of the social and environmental and economic impact in that business would (laughs) remain in the business so really ensuring missions locked in upon sale and so that was a big part of of the 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 impetus for the movement um it's since grown we have three thousand five hundred certified b corps in the world um, but since uh, since um, around August uh, August 2019, the it's just exploded. The movement is just taking hold, um, and we've seen actually the pandemic has been a really interesting kind of pressure test for the B Corp philosophy of of um, using business as a force for good, and we've seen. B Corp's thriving in uh, under these uh, uh, in these uncertain times because they had these um, they had the policies in place. Uh, they've been thinking about justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. They've been thinking about environmental um, impact and sustainability. So basically, it's a movement of like-minded entrepreneurs that do this massive heavy lift of going through this assessment that can have two hundred questions or a thousand questions, depending on the size of the company. Um, or even more, I heard Danon had 1,500 questions in their assessment, uh, but they are the largest B Corp in the world. Uh, and so, really, it's it's become something of a social movement, not only a, a you know a business uh, operations and impact tool. Yeah,
1: I think that's really neat too. What you're talking about uh, for Danon, uh, and everybody uh, probably knows that brand and has, has tasted their uh, their their yogurts and other treats. Um, it's it's kind of a, a smart assessment in a way too, where Hemings House, my company, wouldn't be taking exactly the same journey and get being assessed because it's it's very specific to different industries and verticals and all that sort of thing. And uh, and in a way, it really makes sense to. Kind of get a coach to help you get through it, or be part of a forum to do it because you can you can do it yourself. But there's a good chance you'll be part of the three percent that won't <laughs> get through it, right?
2: And yeah. no, but did you say only three percent get through it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So like, uh, and what? So so you're so along the way, along the journey, you're there to support people, Christy, or organizations. Uh, I love your description too. It was a really that's it excellent way to describe kind of the opportunity. And what I'm learning as I've been kind of um, a sidekick to Greg in terms of the interviews we had is that this isn't a fringe thing either. It's like, it's, I wouldn't call it mainstream, but it feels more mainstream in, you know, or maybe just because I've had so much exposure to it myself. Um, but it's, and you're saying, and it sounds like it's, there's got a lot of traction in, in, you know, in the last, you know, 18 months or whatever it's been. Right.
3: It's amazing. As, as an OG in the B Corp movement, uh, <laughs> I really started using the assessment in 2012, um, and then started certifying companies in 20, 2013, 2014. Um, the 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 interest and and the the excitement and the tool itself is evolving. You know, it's not a static assessment; it changes as well, and it's changing based on social and environmental conditions. Mm-hmm. So you know, we expect a new version of the assessment to come out probably within the next two years and really expect environment and JEDI, that justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion to be um, more heavily weighted in the assessment. Okay. So it's, it's not, um, it's, it's very, it's a very unusual um, and it is sort of the only tool of its kind that currently exists in the world. Hmm. Uh, and so really pleased that, uh, both Greg and I made those early commitments to uh, to, to joining the B Corp movement, um, and and uh, it's it's just such an exciting time for for purpose led business uh, because now we have our use case we have our we have a really strong business case now which we lacked even before the pandemic um, it had started to kick up but it's amazing things are happening in the movement now.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, and did did you um, and, you know, getting launching decade and everything, is that what took you from East Coast to West Coast?
3: It's been a long, strange journey, um, <laughs> okay. long, strange trip. Um, some of it was really fun. Some of it was not so fun. Um, I think I had a conversation with someone yesterday and it was so lovely that, you know, that the perseverance really paid off. You know, as I said, I was an early adopter and I really believed that, you know, I grew up in a social enterprise in rural Ontario, you know, everybody got credit at my parents shop, you know, we didn't do credit checks. If you needed bread, you got it. If you needed milk, you got it. Um, and it was just a part of our bottom line, like we was just factored into the bottom line that some of that wouldn't come back to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really know business without purpose um, until until I, I left the, I flew the the nest um, and went out into the world and was like, this is not the way this should be done. This is just, it's just not right. Um, and so I think we're really seeing a return to values now. Um, and, yeah, guess- and it's market led too. It's
1: like consumer led now, which is really exciting because now it's not just fringe. Like we said before, now when we see the companies, the size of Danone and, um, a bunch of Unilever, uh, companies, you know, paying attention to this. It means once the cool kids have proven it's cool. Now, now the followers who actually have a lot of weight are now dipping their toes and that's what we need for a tipping point, right? Uh, is, and that's what we're seeing right now. I think that's what you're getting at.
3: Oh, I I feel like we're going to reach critical mass really soon. Like, I'm so excited because you know one of the things we do at Decade that I think makes us unique there's lots of consultants out there there's lots of folks that um, that have expertise in different areas and, and we're really generalists and we bring um, design thinking and creativity to everything we do so we're not just interested in building policies for companies or, or um, shepherding them through the assessment. We're really interested in getting to the core of the essence of their business. What is your, what, what's your why? Uh, what are your hows? And what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? Because I think this decade requires big, hairy, audacious goals. People hmm. need to be inspired um, and they need to have something to work towards. And, and everybody should be able to wake up in the morning and go to work and feel like they're a part of something a lot bigger than themselves.
2: Do you think, like, is it intimidating for people or, you know, or entrepreneurs um, that maybe haven't completely figured out their purpose and, you know, I just wonder if that, I think personally, like, I mean, I, I went through an exercise of just creating a purpose statement. Now I haven't gone as, nearly as far as I could or should or will, will at some point uh, with vision coaching. But, um, but it's funny. Cause when you talk to people about purpose, um, the amount of folk and in my, in the world of coaching, it's not an uncommon thing to come up. And the amount of people that are just, it's, it almost feels like it's an overwhelming thought, right? Like, Oh, I have to, ha- to have to consider that. I'm just wondering is that a barrier for some people, um, in your opinion, or you know, I mean, how do you, or how do you help them um, get more comfortable with the idea that I'm, I'm, you know, decade can help me figure this out?
3: Well, it is intimidating, um, and I feel like we take that the you know we really work really hard to be non-judgmental, really approachable, um, and be kind of a safe space for entrepreneurs um, and their teams, and so. The way we like to work is that we audit the impact of the company first. And once we have that baseline, then we create roadmaps of like, how, what are we, what do we want to do? Um, what do we need to do to be um, operationally and from an impact lens, good businesses? And then we get into that. What are you actually trying to achieve? okay,
2: What,
3: what do you really want? What, what is the, what is the thought you had when you started your business? that scares you to say out loud. And so when you get people into that space where they're willing to say those things um, and make really audacious commitments, uh, it, it becomes fun. Like I, you know, over and over again, we see entrepreneurs that have been in their business for many years, they kind of feel like young spring bucks when we're done with them because they see their business in a whole different way and they see their team in a whole different way. Um, but really understanding where you're starting from is critical. I think a lot of companies are really trying to develop that purpose, but if they don't see how that lives in their business now and where those opportunities are, then then they may miss the mark. and And then you kind of get borderline greenwashing.
1: right? Mm. Yeah, and yeah, that, that, that's even if the founders aren't trying to greenwash, it's easy to
2: slip into that by mistake. So, and I, I, I'm aware of it, but by greenwashing, what do you mean?
3: Greenwashing means presenting a a environmentally, socially, and economically progressive company that just isn't right. So I think, um, a great, you know, I, I have a lot of empathy for those greenwashers because 95% of them are doing it by accident. They don't mean to do it. Um, There are, you know, and maybe it's just my mindset that people are generally good and and want to do good and want to be loving in the world,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, but they're not trying to do that. It's they just they just don't have a clear lens on exactly what the power of their operations are. You know, um,
1: I've got I've got an interesting example of that, Christy, um, <clears throat> where Heming's House, our company has really always focused our impact on social and um, whenever we did our reassessments on the environmental side we were like relatively low impact until you start realizing how many airplanes we fly on etc but um, our our give back didn't really exist so I wanted I made a goal a year ago to or two years ago to start upping that side so we've since become one percent for the planet Uh, And for people who don't know what that is, look it up, you'll figure it out. Uh, 1% top line revenues to environmental nonprofits. But the initiative we did a year ago was um, we worked with Community Forest International out of Sackville to figure out what our um, carbon output was. Um, And we were able to uh, offset all of our scope 1% carbon by buying tree wood lots that were not going to be clear cut. So therefore leaving up sequestering carbon sequestering lots uh, that uh, is just good for our community on a bunch of different uh, different ways. But the interesting thing here is I didn't know the difference between scope one, two, and three carbon offsetting. So yeah. I I didn't greenwash too far until I realized I was like, I should understand this a little bit more so Dave, uh, if, if, if you're not familiar, there's three different ways to our scopes of offsetting. And the first is just like offsetting your travel and your servers, your, you know, things that you've got, you, you pay money to get, you know, to, to buy something good to offset. But scope two is things like energy use. Like I'm in a rented building right now. So it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge for me to figure out how to uh, how to do that. And then scope three is even more radical and more difficult which is more of that value chain, supply chain, uh, you know, really the impacts of the people that we're working with. And uh, it's deep and hard. And for me to say we're carbon neutral is an absolute lie. Although I thought we were for a month until I realized that we weren't. So that's an example, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. Does that make sense, Christy? Like, would you see other people like me in that situation?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it happens all the time and it's not, it's not malicious it's just that this is a new way of thinking about business, and this is a new way of considering how do we internalize the true cost of our business. Uh, you know, companies can no longer dump the chemicals in the river. It's just, it's just not going to work. Um, and customers are really becoming very savvy. And and I think Greg, I think you're in one of the most, uh, you know, you have an incredible business, and so so important right now because you know, the flip side of greenwashing is green blushing. So we have a bunch of B Corp certified companies and credible companies, those companies making strides towards um, becoming regenerative businesses that aren't talking. Green blushing. I love it. They're not not talking and we need them to talk. We need them to share those stories and really, really a mode of moving stories about what's possible. Mm. So you know, I have a, a billboard we often use in our um, our, uh, um, our our sessions with companies, and uh, it's a Denon billboard, and it's you know it got like yogurt on it, and it says it's revolutionary, and and it really is. When you think about the what's happening in Denon's supply chain, they are starting a revolution, and these companies really are, and I think you know, there's so much opportunity. I hear all the time, we work with a lot of service firms and they're like, oh, we don't have a supply chain. For it's like, well, just because you don't make widgets doesn't mean you don't have a supply chain. And that supply chain, that's like the, the, the tip of the iceberg is what we see. And then supply chain is everything else. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much impact in there. And so how do we kind of bring that forward um, and make it meaningful, not only for the company, but for co- consumers. And this leads me to my two thoughts about COVID and the gifts of COVID. Well, three gifts, I guess. Um, um, we were just speaking briefly before we, we, we started recording I, here, I think, about being dads and being able to spend more time with your kids. So uh, I think there's a lot of people that are spending more time with the people they really care about um, and kind of getting to know each other in a way that we didn't know each other before. So there's that. Second, customers want local. They are getting to, they're really beginning to understand um, the supp- supply chain of the goods and services they buy. They don't wanna buy from big boxes. They wanna buy from Joe down the road because their kid goes to school with Joe. They want them to thrive too. And we need to have these livable, functioning communities. And on the East Coast, I don't have to tell you guys about you know, how important it is to keep communities, communities alive. Mm-hmm. And the third gift of COVID is that we shut the world down in four weeks. We can do anything. All these objections of, it, you know, it's it's in the system. We can't change it. We can't do it. It's too big. It's too hairy. It's too audacious. Those are all gone. Like those objections, they, they just don't hold any water. So uh, that's my rant. about. I think,
1: it. I, I, and to add to that, <clears throat> like, yeah, for those who don't know Atlantic Canada, we are for small uh, provinces, small population. Um, and, and there's a wall around us right now, not a Trump wall, a different type of wall, uh, that um, we have essentially shut down business, tra- physical travel between us and the rest of the country, which you would think would be detrimental to our economy. And I think it has had quite a negative impact on our economy. Yes. However, I think to your point, the great Surprise is many of us are doing just fine with, uh, with not getting into airplanes and doing business trips and conferences. And, you know, like that's been my thing. is like, I'm not. And also my, uh, my last rant is besides seeing people like you in person, Christy, um, the FOMO of having to go to an industry event where you think you have to go because you're not going to sell and grow your company unless you go and be present, that's gone as well. So think about conference culture. It's going to come back and it's going to be great, but it's also going to be a hybrid of digital and in-person. And FOMO is not really good. At like, and think about the expense, the financial and carbon expense to get you and I to a B Corp Champions retreat. Yeah. Especially the one that we're supposed to be at earlier this year in Mexico that didn't happen. So, like, like, We're like, going to go. We're going to offset. We're going to go, but Oh, I, we're going to go. I'm just <laughs> saying in this period, it's been kind of a nice breathing time of, ah, there's not too many planes in the sky right now. And, uh, the world needs that right now. And maybe we're going to see some innovation in that space as well. And people are, are just straight up, not going to travel as much. Uh, but you and I are still going to end up meet up, meet up. And we're going to, Dave, this is a little story. You, you don't know. Christy and I talked a, a lot about doing a podcast led by Christy. And it was really interesting because it was it was similar to Boiling Point, but really aggressive in a good way, but really calling out bullshit in uh, in the business world. And uh, so I was like, listen, let's meet at the Champions Retreat, which I think was in Toronto, maybe.
3: Uh, we to New ago. Orleans.
1: New Orleans. Yeah, that's right. We went to New Orleans. And we went to and that, that piano
3: bar and we met Henrietta, my
1: piano god. That's right. That was amazing. The piano bar was incredible. So yeah. we went up and we recorded, Dave. Our pilot episode, and it was great, a great conversation. And then I came home and I lost it. I, I had no idea where it went. So we have to
2: redo that. But you lost sometime. the recording, not you lost the recording. It. Okay.
1: Yeah. I didn't lose uh, emotionally or anything. I just lost the actual SD card. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think that would
2: be, I think that would be like it, you know, one of the things we got encouraged to do is be, you know, be provocative, which I think we, in our own way, but this sounds very provocative and uh, it would probably, it would attract a whole bunch of listeners um, that want to debate and argue with you and want to hug you and agree with you. I and would,
1: Christy's you know. really like natural at that, in in as a strength, as a gift is Christy, you're not afraid of being provocative uh, for the greater good. Uh, and I think that's a strength. That's an absolute strength.
3: I, I think it's becoming more of a strength and, and my edges are are rounding off a little bit, um, and I think I, I had more of an edge when you know in previous times because I so believed that this thing was going to take hold. I so believed in it, and and uh, it it kind of broke my heart. Everybody told every time somebody told me I was crazy, and uh, so um, I was crazy enough. And Brianna Brown, my incredible co-founder, was crazy enough. To to decide that this is what we were going to do, um, and it's just uh, so I feel I'm 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 provocative, and I think it's important to be provocative. Um, it's also we got to bring so much empathy to this practice uh, because everybody's in a different a different kind of headspace and a different space like a different kind of different path. And so we have to have, you know, I really try to have respect for where everybody is in their own journey. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, let's, let's uh, let's cuss and, and, uh, and, and call folks out if they need calling out. I think that's important.
2: Do, do you know, it's interesting. You, you like, I, I don't recall exactly the, the last conversation, but I do, you know, when you talk about rounding the edges, I've get that sense, you know, in talking to you today, because when, as soon as I, I I thought I was kind of setting up you to, to really bash people for greenwashing. And then you say, you know, I have some empathy um, or compassion for people. And I'm like, it wasn't what I was expecting. So that's, that says a lot about kind of where where you are in this journey as well.
3: I'm growing.
2: We're all growing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, sorry. sorry, I was going to say it, but it's so interesting though, you know, because you know, this, this evolution that everyone's going through in whatever space they are and how, um, you know, how righteous maybe I would have felt about a particular thing. I still may st- still feel strong, but not righteous. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a different kind of, uh, there's a different lens on some things. And I don't know if that's just um, it comes with age or maturity or whatever, but it it's um, it's hard. It's, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's almost like, To be as fiery about certain things, you know, whatever issue it is, is just, I think there's so many complex, life is so complex and there's so many nuances and people are coming from all these different places. And there's something um, I've found personally uh, rewarding in trying to, you know, have compassion and try to understand where someone else is coming from uh, versus, you you know, being able to put us in different boxes.
3: Yeah, I know myself and I think there's probably other people in the space that are like me, I'm a bit of a values martyr. <laughs> you know, um, I, the edges come out when, when people that have potential choose not to, to step into that. And, and I don't have a lot of time for those folks. Um, and we, you know, we really hope that, that every company we work with will, will step forward. Um, but I think that the riskiest thing companies can do right now is, is nothing. Like the, it's just, it's time to move on this. And, um, and, and really just feeling so blessed and so privileged that, that I get to be here right now doing this work. It, it feels like, uh, most of the time I feel like I'm delivering flowers to people for good reasons. You know, like not for bad reasons, but like I'm a, a happy flower delivery. Both Brianna and I, and Eileen, our other team member, we're the happy flower people. Oh, Christy,
1: I love it. I love it. It's been so fun for me to watch your evolution too in business. You know, that this is uh, I remember being in your offices in Halifax. Uh, we had Scott and Burrow and we played that card game to help me figure out uh, the, the direction of the company. We still
3: do that. It blows awesome. minds every yeah. time we do that. We've evolved it, but uh, you know, that's one of those things. Like if, you know, the, the, I think of, a great tidbit for companies is you're not your own hero. You know, you're a mentor and you, you know, you're, you Yoda and, and Luke is your customer and you've got to invite them on a journey with you to fulfill their own potential. Um, and, and by doing that well, you get to fill your own potential as that mentor, you know? And so um, I think that's just such an important piece that I love that, that, and then we still do communications work. We just don't do it for anybody that we haven't audited um, and work with them on their BHAG. Because I think if you don't have a BHAG, you don't have a communication strategy. You need to have that North star that everybody can point to and tell their friends about.
1: Mm. Just like what our last guest said, Dave, <clears throat> uh, we talked to Steve Waxman, former uh, Warner brothers executive and um, what an incredible guy you should check him out he's now doing he's coaching musicians in how to you know thrive in business and he, one of his biggest things he said when people start out is like figure out what you care about and that's right from the beginning like don't figure out your impact later it's right from the beginning uh, it's integrated like he's talking strategically for business and I was like that's awesome because innately uh, most artists and musicians get this stuff already but they're they don't really understand that business part they're like but he's trying to help people in that space, which is really cool. Chrissy, you are so full of good little nuggets. Uh, like the the biggest risk for businesses to do right now is nothing. That's my takeaway for this call, conversation.
2: Dave, what about you? Well, I was just thinking. I was along those lines. I was thinking that what's um, what's nice is that now someone who's thinking about it and it feels very daunting has a place to, to go, you know, and to, to call decade and, or to become part of this, the program you were describing, uh, what's the 80 was it again? Getting to 80. Uh, We 80. have,
3: we have our getting to 80 and we have our mobilize, which is our, our in-company program that we do with teams.
2: Okay. Um,
3: and, and that is exciting to take teams of up to 20 and 30 people on a journey through impact together to define those BHAGs and to find that mission together. Um, that's pretty exciting work. Um, to get to see people, uh, you know, with a spring in their step, you know, it's, it just makes food taste better. Um, and it
1: does, it makes, I'm just laughing because you're so brilliant with your words, like these little nuggets of, uh, of descriptors and explainers. Yeah. I love it. Makes the food taste better. You go better.
2: through this and your food, and I'm like, Damn, I I I like food already. So now Can I'm you tell that somewhere. Christy
1: comes from the marketing communications background? Oh, like she wow. just
2: gets how to tell stories. So totally. totally. Okay. So how do how do people reach you and learn more about you and, and the awesome work you guys are doing?
3: Um, well, they can go to our website, decadeimpact.com. Um, they can find us on LinkedIn, our social media, um, all under Decade Impact. Um, and uh I think I'll leave I'll leave you with two two nuggets, two more nuggets. Um, inevitably every company we work with in one way or another is better than they thought they were. And so when we get to bring that and put that to them, you're already doing this good. It takes all that, that fear away. Mm. And so that's a a piece that's always really uh, inspiring for us. Um, And don't be afraid of the shadows. Don't be afraid to look at the things that don't, don't work or, you know, make you uncomfortable because that is probably where your biggest impacts are. That's probably where that innovation within your organization is really seated in, um, and that's really exciting to unpack that stuff and look at it and kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, now this is this is the this is the clay with which we will craft elegant solutions. Love it! Awesome. I,
1: I think it. that's that that, that that's uh, a very good takeaway.
2: Do, do you know what, you know, it just reminds me of like, and it's, I mean, different worlds in, in, in a way, but when you take a leader through, and you've done this, Greg, a 360 leadership assessment and people are so, you know, you talk about these dark corners, people are so worried and, and rightly so. And I think that's a normal human thing. Cause I know when I go through it, I'm like, Oh, what's, what's going to come up, you know? And not, and it all inevitably, will point out all these wonderful strengths a person has and then it will it will pick up on our areas of opportunity, let's call them, and um, and my, you know, I'm I'm just my for myself. I always go, well, wouldn't you rather know than not know, like what people are thinking because they're thinking it. So it's going to be there. It exists. It's just, do I want to bring it into my consciousness? And then now now I have a choice. I can do something about it because I have awareness. So that's what re- reminded me of you describing that for, for it's kind of like a 360 on a business, right? It
3: is, and you know, one of the ways we communicate that is impact literacy. Once companies build that impact literacy, they start to see it everywhere, and and they start to see those levers everywhere and those opportunities, hmm. um, and and it really changes the the dynamic. It changes internal dynamics. Um, CEOs get a little closer to the the factory floor, and uh, and those folks on the factory floor get a little closer to the executive suite. Um, and that is really, really important because, you know, CEOs are decision machines um, and they need to, they need that input. They need that information to make, to make good choices, uh, to, to lead their teams. Christy thank you so much. We, we
1: they, love having I, I you got, on here. I, I got a like- last,
2: I got a last kind of odd question. Having lived in Vancouver for eight years and you're sitting in your apartment and I'm in my head trying to pr- imagine where your apartment is. In I am Vancouver.
3: in uh, a small beach community called Kitsilano. You're uh, in Kitsilano. What a paradise! Uh, I want, you know
2: what? Okay, I was wondering, and then I was thinking, or Marpole. Anyways, there's just there's a certain structure of building. Yeah, um, I,
3: my, my best friend lives in Dunbar, um, Dunbar, and uh, and <laughs> a lot of my really close friends live in Kits, and yes, uh, so I love nice. it. Um, and uh, secret story: the rain comes straight down here.
2: Ah. Wow. Yes.
3: No it was real. Didn't know it could be. It just comes straight down. It comes straight down. It's like it's like a rain shower. Like, <laughs> like a fancy hotel. It's, it's not like, like it. It's not like the East Coast where you're like a Spartan with your umbrella. Like yes. <laughs> not to down the East Coast. You guys got heart for days.
1: Well, listen, when I lived in Surrey um for a little while while Jessica was doing some of her residency uh work. I was amazed. It was February. And number one, there was palm trees and a lot of people's front yards, oddly. It's like, what? And this in the winter, you get a little sprinkling of snow in the, in the morning, maybe. And uh, it was just, it was just like no jacket weather through February. And then you drive for 25 minutes and you're in deep powder, snowboarding, looking over the city. I love Vancouver. Now I haven't lived there as long as you have. I was only there for you know a number of months, but uh there's elements of that place that I just love. And uh, yeah. I, I'm envious. <laughs> that, that little dusting of,
2: that dusting of snow, you know, I got <laughs> very used to it. And, uh, and I was coming to New Brunswick, talking to my friend, saying, so what, what's it like, uh, you know, in terms of weather? Because it's a coastal town, St. John. He said, well, similar to Vancouver, you have the odd snow day. And I stupidly believed him. And arrived, you know, no winter jacket. And I was digging my car out in March, just cursing him. I love, I stayed here. I love it. But I do miss, uh, I do miss, and my, and my, and Kitsilano, one of my, I don't know if it's still there, but one of my favorite places to go is the, the King's Head. I don't know if it's still,
3: oh, I exists. think it is still there. It's down on you, it's yeah. on the beach. Yeah. 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 It is still there.
2: Yeah. Ah, good, fun times.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to big up Vancouver too much, because, <laughs> uh, but I really do miss the East Coast. And, and for me, like that Atlantic bubble, those, you know, the East coast, it's almost like a different country. The, the culture people are so kind and so friendly and, and, and really so inclusive. Um, You know, Vancouver could, Vancouver could learn a lot. Uh, Vancouverites, we should, they should all have to do a, an exchange and live in the maritimes for a period of time so they come back and they know that when i say hi to them on the road i'm not going to take oh
2: this. i was just going to bring that up it's so funny because i remember you know you arrive and like you should say hi back dave i'm like but it's so weird I, everyone's saying hi to me You know, like, <laughs> when they, they stop want? the
1: car when you're walking across the street they stop the car uh, listen, here, here, here's a closing <laughs> note on the, uh, on, the, on, on, the hand wave on the steering wheel yeah that's right <laughs> hey like i probably know you or your auntie um, here's one little special last nugget on St. John, totally unrelated to the conversation we've been having <laughs> is, um, the other day I saw a funeral procession mm-hmm. and I remember when I, when my grandfather died, um, it was so emotional to see people stopping in their cars while the funeral procession goes on. And you see these just average looking people who are walking on the street, stop, take their hats off. And I was like, that still happens today. It's a thing, and I don't know if it's just a St. John thing or if it's all for the Maritimes. But um, I was like, "How special is that?" And because Amazing. I've witnessed it uh, yeah. on the inner side, yeah. of course, I practice it too. And what a nice little little nugget of uh, of that, that that community glue that you're talking about. And it's because most people will lose somebody in their life, and they'll go through a funeral procession and see that gesture. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that relates to our conversation here or not, but, uh, it's making impact, right? It makes it, makes well, the t- well, well,
2: food we, taste better.
3: And it makes food taste better. And we can just all take our caps off and take a moment and stand and stand in reverence of old school business and its funeral procession.
1: There we go. <laughs> I love it. I will crack a banana to that one.
2: Uh, <laughs> awesome. <okay. laughs>
3: I'm not going to make bad jokes. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Either will I. <laughs> I'm I keeping it clean today. I'm keeping it clean. Uh,
1: uh, Christy, <laughs> thank you. And we can't wait for you to be our, our first ever fourth guest one day. It yeah. will happen.
3: <laughs> uh, and you know, I want to thank you both for taking the time today. And Dave, I, I know we don't know each other very well. We've never actually met in person. I don't believe. I don't think so. so. No. I don't think so. Um, but so nice to connect with you and, and Greg, I do think of you often and I hope you're doing well. Um, and I, I do think a little kudos to you. Um, you're one of those people that inspired the rounding my edges. Oh, thank you. You're so loving and you're so like leading (laughs) with your heart that it works
1: it's the easiest approach for me. It takes me a little more work to be sharp. So <laughs> that's,
2: that's a good description of Greg for sure. Yeah. Um, thank you, thanks, Christy. Christy. Awesome seeing you. Okay. You and,
1: you so and Dave, thank you uh, as well, my friend, and we will see you uh, next time we record and thank you to the boiling point uh, community for sticking, uh, sticking with us for the 30 years we've been doing this and um, <laughs> here's to another 60. Hey. <laughs> Here's to another 80. How's that? Bam. Yeah, there
2: we go.
0: All right, guys. See you later. See ya. Thanks for, Thank for checking out Bye. this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling.